Well, welcome to Redemption Church Online. Uh, it's exciting to get into the Word together today. We're going to continue our series in Ecclesiastes. Before we do that, I just want to mention that we have restarted our small groups. They're meeting through Zoom online. We'd love to have you be a part of one of those. If you need any information on how to get connected to one of our small groups, please reach out to us and let us know, and we can help get you connected. And uh, we also have some ongoing outreaches happening during this time, and small groups are a good way to be a part of those. So please let us know if you want to uh, be a part of that. Let's uh, Today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and 10, and I'm going to kick it over to Kim to have her read these verses for us. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 13 through 10 verse 20. I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. The calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart goes to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense, and he shows everyone he is a fool. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post, for calmness puts great offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich remains in lowly positions. I have seen slaves on horses, but princes walking on the ground like slaves. The one who digs a pit may fall into it, and the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. The one who quarries stones may be hurt by them. The one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. If the snake bites before it is charmed, then there is no advantage for the charmer. The words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words from his mouth is folly, but the end of his speaking is evil madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No one knows what will happen, and who can tell anyone what will happen after him? The struggles of fools weary them, for they don't know how to go to the city. Woe to you, land, when your king is a youth and your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, land, when your king is a son of nobles, and your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Because of laziness, the roof caves in, and because of negligent hands, the house leaks. A feast is prepared for laughter, and wine makes life happy, and money is the answer for everything. Do not curse the king even in your thoughts, and do not curse a rich person even in your bedroom, for a bird of the sky may carry the message, and a winged creature may report the matter." Today I'm preaching on the quiet, saving whisper of wisdom. Ecclesiastes is part of what's called in the Old Testament wisdom literature. And so it speaks a lot about wisdom and what is wisdom and how to have wisdom. Uh, this pr- passage in particular compares f- 
folly or foolishness with wisdom. And so the message today is going to kind of follow that pattern. And uh, we're going to look at some things together. By the way, we, we put a little handout on the website each week. If you want to follow along like you normally would on a Sunday morning, fill in the blanks, take notes. Or if you choose not to print off the handout, you can always take notes uh, anywhere you want. But the first uh, point that you'll see on the handout is this. Foolishness has a loud voice, but wisdom's quiet whisper is strong enough to save. Foolishness has a loud voice, but wisdom's quiet whisper is strong enough to save. It's one of the first things that we see in this passage. And as, as we look at the first few verses of this passage, I was reminded of this really amazing story about the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. The prophet Elijah had this big showdown uh, with these false prophets in the land of Israel. And, and it's, a, it's a really miraculous event. I, I won't go into that whole story, but it's what happens after this miraculous event that's really uh, the, pertinent to what we're talking about here today. Elijah, uh, long story short, ends up basically hiding in a cave after all of this. And God comes to him when he's in the cave and begins to speak to him. And then God does something that I think was really important in the life of Elijah. He says, he says, come out of the cave and, and basically lets him know that he's going to appear before him. And the Bible tells us that this incredible wind passes through and that the, it, it, it got, causes damage. And, and it, it's just a wind unlike any other wind. But then the Bible specifically says, but God was not in the wind. And then in, the next thing that happens immediately after that is this great earthquake and the land that, that, that uh, Elijah is standing on begins to shake and the mountains begin to crumble. And the Bible says again, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then this massive fire passes by, a fire, a fire that consumed everything in its path. And yet the Bible says the Lord was not in that fire. And then God speaks to Elijah out of what the Bible describes as a soft whisper. I think this was important for Elijah because he was, he was relating to God based on the big things. He was relating to God based on the miraculous. He was relating to God and, and his power to, to conquer his enemies. And he needed to know that often God speaks through a soft whisper. And we can be the same way today. We can think, you know, the loudest voice is the one that we need to pay attention to. The, the, whatever gets our attention the most must be the most important. And the Bible reminds us that God's voice often comes to us in a soft whisper. I was uh, preparing for this message and, and I, I noticed something that happens daily in my life. And that is, as I go about my day, um, living at home in quarantine, basically right now, uh, there's all kinds of noise as we're going about our day. There's things happening in the house. There's people talking, there's TVs on, there might be music playing. And, and there's just a lot of noise around us that drowns out a lot of other things. But I noticed something that happens every night when I lay down in bed and all of that other stuff goes quiet quiet, I noticed that there's a clock on the wall beside my bed in my bedroom that ticks with every second. You know, I don't hear that all day long. I don't hear that because it's drowned out by all this other noise and all the other commotion that's happening. But when all of that fades away, it becomes like the loudest thing in my mind. And I think sometimes God's voice can be like that. We allow God's voice or the, even the voice of wisdom to be drowned out by so many other things. And it's not until those things are taken away that we can truly hear his voice. This is how Ecclesiastes says it, starting in verse 13 of chapter 9. I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with a few men in it. 
A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor, wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. Verse 17, the calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. That's an interesting passage. It, you know, the, the uh, Kohelet, the author here, he goes, he goes back and forth a little bit. But one thing is clear is that he's discouraged that wisdom is not heeded more. He's discouraged that wisdom often comes in forms that people aren't paying attention to. And it often goes ignored and unheeded. But when it is followed, wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools and wisdom is better than the weapons of war. But then he says, but one sinner can destroy much good. And so there's this dichotomy between wisdom and folly. There's this dichotomy between wisdom and, and even sin that on one hand, wisdom has, has strength beyond what we would expect. And, and yet sin is, is powerful too. And sin causes destruction. He says, the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. Wisdom has the power to save, but it's a whisper that is often drowned out by the shouts of everything else. The next thing in the notes is this, that foolishness ruins a man, but wisdom keeps him safe. Foolishness ruins a man, but wisdom keeps him safe. We've, we've seen, I think over the past few years, especially so many powerful people brought down by their own sin, brought down by their own folly or, or their own foolishness. I, I think of, of, of people that we once looked up to and, and thought highly of like Bill Cosby. I mean, Bill Cosby was the epitome of a good person and a family man in, in the public's eyes only to find out about the things that were going on behind closed doors. I think of Tiger Woods, you know, the guy who was on top of the sports world. He was, he was what I think everybody considered to be squeaky clean. And then all these dark secrets about his private life started coming out. But it's not just people in the secular world. It's within the church as well. Pastors of large churches brought down by their own sin. Politicians who were exposed We've seen so many powerful people brought down by their own foolishness. And Ecclesiastes warns us of this. Foolishness has the potential to ruin a person, but wisdom keeps us safe. By walking in the way of wisdom, you can remain safe. It says in chapter 10, verse 1, Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart goes to the right, but a fool's heart goes to the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense and he shows everyone he is a fool. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post for calmness puts great offenses to rest. One thing that we all have in common is this incredible ability to do unbelievably foolish things. We all share that. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. In fact, we all do things like that. We're all sinners. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. 
all of us have the potential to go one of two ways. And there's, there's two paths presented here. Uh, Ecclesiastes describes them uh, as the left and the right. And I don't think that's a, a reference to American politics or anything like that. But the right is always associated in wisdom literature with the, with the right way to go. It's the best way to go. And the left to be towards folly and foolishness. It's, we have this path before us. We can go one way or the other. I love the illustration that he uses. Dead flies make perfumers oil ferment and stink. And I don't really know. Uh, I've never smelled dead flies. I've seen dead flies. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the science of what he's speaking to, but I think that what he's trying to say here is obvious. Foolishness is, is like something that rots and spoils. Foolishness is, can, can bring you down. It can do great harm. It can take something good and spoil it and make it bad. But wisdom is, is like the perfume. It's, it's the good path. It's the right way to go. But he says something really important for us to understand. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. You know, people are rarely defined by all of the good things that they have done whenever some of the bad things they have done become public. That's just one of the realities of the world. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little folly undoes a lot of good things. A little folly destroys and and ruins a reputation that was otherwise good. Those foolish things can ultimately ruin you, but by walking in the way of wisdom, you can remain safe. It says in verse three, even the fool even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense and he shows everyone he is a fool. Fools ultimately expose themselves. Those who choose to live lives of folly and foolishness ultimately reveal who they truly are and everyone knows it. Fools cannot hide forever. But he says in verse four, if the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post for calmness puts great offenses to rest. That's a it's an interesting way of saying it, but I think he's basically saying here, uh, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, don't make it worse by doing something foolish, but be wise. You know, he's kind of saying like, keep your head down, lay low, don't, 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 uh, don't react in a way that's going to make things worse for you. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post. Stay safe for, for calmness puts great offenses to rest. In other words, foolishness ruins a man, but wisdom keeps him safe. If you want to be safe, walk in the ways of wisdom. If you want to be safe, don't chase after foolishness. Don't, don't live a life of folly, but live a life that obeys wisdom. Next thing on the notes, foolishness is popular, but wisdom brings true success. Foolishness is popular, but wisdom brings true success. We live in a world that promotes foolish people. That's just a reality. We live in a world that likes to keep up with the Kardashians. We, we, we grow up listening to music, popular music that's full of terrible advice for how to live life. You know, I was born in the 80s, uh, spent my, my teen years in the 90s. So um, my, my mentors growing up were like guys like Kurt Cobain and, and Biggie Smalls. Th- these are terrible mentors. These are, these are guys who are not wise and, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately uh, their, their foolishness caught up with them and, and, and they're not here to correct some of the mistakes that they made when they were younger. But those were the, those were the voices of my generation. Those were the people that we listened to, the ones that we looked to, to guide us through those tumultuous years of being a teenager. 
and they were fools. They gave foolish advice, but they were popular. And nothing has changed. Nothing has changed since then. And it was the same way before then. Foolishness is popular. Culture loves people who are foolish. Culture does not value wisdom appropriately. That's one of the things that's, that's bothering the author of Ecclesiastes here. He's, he's looking and he's seeing wisdom is not getting the place of honor that it deserves. Foolishness is popular, but, but wisdom is being ignored. If we go back to this man who saved the city, here was a man who was wise. Yes, he was poor. Maybe he didn't have a lot going on for him socially or economically, but he was wise. And that wisdom had the power to save Yet our culture seems to value folly and foolishness over wisdom. He says in verse five, there's an evil I've seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the presence of the ruler. The fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich remain in lowly positions. I've seen slaves on horses, but princes walking on the ground like slaves. The one who digs a pit may fall into it. And the one who breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. The one who quarries stones may be hurt by them. The one who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. If the snake bites before it is charmed, then there is no advantage for the charmer. You know, foolishness might be popular, but wisdom brings true success. As, as the author here is looking, he's, he sees people in the wrong positions. He sees fools being promoted. He sees fools reigning over other people. Meanwhile, you know, he, he uses words here that, that are interesting. He, he says, uh, the fool is appointed to great heights, but the rich remain in lowly places. I've seen slaves on horses, but prince, princes walking on the ground like slaves. This, I don't know if those are literal or metaphorical. I, I, I suspect they're metaphorical. He's, I think he's just pointing out the wrong people are in the wrong positions. We got the wrong people leading and the wrong people following. It should be the other way around. The, those who are wise and those who are able to lead should be in leadership positions. Yet it's the fools who are leading the people. Well, that's because foolishness is popular. But even though it's popular and being a fool might even bring you popularity, true success comes from wisdom. The advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. It brings true success. The things that are really important. It gets you, it, it gets you the things that maybe the world doesn't count as important, but really are important in life. That's the advantage of wisdom. We see this all throughout popular culture. We see people promoted who, who shouldn't be promoted. We, you, you might even see this, you know, in your own context where you work or whatever. There are people who, for whatever reason, maybe they're related to the right people or, or maybe they just know how to kiss up and, and, and behave in front of the boss. They get promoted and, and they're not good leaders and they, they shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. That's the normal way of the world, that fools get promoted while the wise, the wise don't get promoted yet experience true success. Next thing in the notes is this, that fools are consumed by their many words, but the wise spread grace. Fools are consumed by their many words, but the wise spread grace. There's a quote that's often attributed to Abraham Lincoln. It's, nobody's been able to prove that he said it. In fact, it's doubtful that he did. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it's often attributed to him that goes like this. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. 
Better to be silent, to be thoughtful than to speak and to remove all doubt. Foolishness ultimately consumes you. It exposes you. Fools are consumed by their many words, but the wise will spread grace. This is uh, in chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes, verses 12 through 15. The words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words from his mouth is folly, but the end of his speaking is evil madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No one knows what will happen, and who can tell anyone what will happen after him? The struggles of fools weary them, for they don't know how to go to the city. Fools are consumed by their many words. Out of, out of the mouths of foolish people come foolishness, and it exposes them. It says that the, the beginning of the words of the mouth is folly, but in the end, he is speaking evil madness. It gets worse and worse for fools who continue to open their mouths. We see this all the time. We see this all the time. I was watching the, the NFL draft this weekend and um, there, was, there was a little bit of a controversy that came out. Apparently uh, during the draft, they played some uh, unflattering footage of Odell Beckham. And uh, he, he immediately took to Twitter and got super defensive and, and said all kinds of bizarre things. And, and I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking, this is foolishness. Here's, here's a guy who... Um, has earned a negative reputation and yet he just continues to, to build that reputation more and more out of the foolishness that comes out of his mouth. He doesn't know how to be silent. And we see people like this all the time. They, they just dig the hole deeper and deeper. Fools are consumed by their many words. It's, it's just the way of life for foolish people that they, that they, they get themselves into worse and worse positions the more they talk. The f- struggles of fools weary them, Ecclesiastes said. But the difference between the foolish and the wise is that the wise spread grace. I love that. The words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious. W- what a difference it makes to be around somebody whose words are gracious. What a difference it makes to be around somebody who with, with, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that the power of life and death are in the tongue. We make that choice every time we open our mouths and speak. Are we going to speak life or are we going to speak death? Are we going to tear people down or are we going to build people up? And man, it makes such a difference to be around people whose mouths speak grace. There's no shortage of words today, but wisdom is just as rare as it has always been. Ian Proven, uh, one of the commentators on the book of Ecclesiastes, said this. I want to read this quote. He said, It is a world in which no one ever thinks to ask whether 24-hour news channels are a good thing. It is thought to be obvious that they are. A world in which it is self-evident that information technology is a more important school or college subject than philosophy. A world in which... Have you heard the latest is a more pressing question than do you know the truth? It is a world in which it is estimated that by the time a child born today reaches the age of 50, 97% of everything known in the world at that time will have been learned since her birth. The truth is that we have never known so much and understood so little. Foolishness abounds and fools are consumed by their many words, but the wise spread grace. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't know how much more information we need as much as we need to know what's really true. 
We need to know how the truth should impact and affect our lives. And we pursue more and more information. Information is the currency of the world today. The more you know, the more you can do with it. The more you, the, the, the more, the greater advantage you have. But wisdom is so rare. Wisdom is so rare. And so to see wisdom come out in a world full of foolishness, it always stands out. It's always in stark contrast that everything else is happening around us. Next thing on the handout is this foolish leaders bring harm to their people, but the wise know how to survive calamity. Foolish leaders bring harm to their people, but the wise know how to survive calamity. There's a story uh, in the old Testament um, around the time. So in, in Israel's history, their first King was King Saul and then King David reigned after King Saul. And then David's son, Solomon reigned as the King over Israel. Those were the only three Kings to rule over the entire nation of Israel. After that, uh, Solomon's sons divided the kingdom and it became two separate kingdoms until eventually one of those kingdoms was destroyed. And then, uh, 150, 200 years later, something like that, the other kingdom was destroyed. And then it exists that way until the time of Jesus. And so uh, of those three Kings and and Solomon was considered to be a a wise man, the wisest man who ever lived. He, he had these two sons, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Well, Rehoboam becomes the King in succession of his father, Solomon. And the people come to Rehoboam and they're concerned about what kind of King he's going to be, what kind of leader he's going to be. And, and they say to, they say, the people say to Rehoboam, your father made things hard for us. Won't you lighten the load? And he said, in response to their request, he said, give me three days and then come back and I'll have an answer for you. And in those three days, he first, he did the right thing. He pulled together the elders of the land, the people who had advised his father, the people who understood what it took to lead these people and, and how to be a good king and how to be a good leader. And they said, if you'll speak kind words to these people right now, They'll follow you and they'll be loyal to you. But the Bible says that Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders. And instead he called together the young men that he grew up with. He was a young man himself and he called, called together his peers. And he says, the, the people want me to be, to be kind to them and to lighten the load that my father placed on them as king. What should I do? And they said, you tell those people, my little finger is thicker than my father's weight. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He used whips. I'll use barbed whips. And after three days, the people come back together to hear what Rehoboam's response is going to be. They got a new king, a new leader. Is he going to be a good king? Is he going to deal with them with kindness? Is he going to lead them well? And, he, and, and they ask him again, your father made things hard for us. Will you lighten the load? And he said, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He used whips. I'll use barbed whips. And after that, the kingdom of Israel was divided forever. He literally split the kingdom in two. Foolish leaders bring harm to their people, but the wise know how to survive calamity. Verse 16 of chapter 10 says, Woe to you land when your king is a youth and your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you land when your king is a son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Because of laziness, the roof caves in. Because of negligent hands, the house leaks. A feast is prepared for laughter and wine makes life happy and money is the answer for everything. 
Do not curse the king, even in your thoughts. And do not curse a rich person, even in your bedroom. For a bird of the sky may carry the message and a winged creature may report the matter. What do you land when your king is a youth? When your king is not yet ready to lead, when your king is, is not fit to be a good leader, when he's, when he's foolish. Foolish leaders bring harm to their people. And we see that in the story of Rehoboam. And, and we see that again and again. People who aren't fit to lead, people who aren't wise, who aren't good leaders, they bring harm to their people. They don't know how to lead. I love this illustration. Uh, Woe to you land when your king is a youth and your princes feast in the morning. Morning is not the time for feasting. Morning is not the time for feasting. It's the time to go to work. It's the time to be faithful. It's the time to labor and to be diligent. And when you live in a land where the princes get up and the first thing on their mind is just partying and just doing whatever they want, the people are going to suffer. People need leaders who are responsible. People, who, people need leaders who will do the diligent work that is required of them to protect the people that they're leading. And when you don't have that, people suffer harm. On the other side of things, he says in verse 17, blessed are you land when your king is a son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. When you have, have a, a king who is a son of nobles, he's been raised up. He's been taught how. I think that's the implication here. He's, he's somebody who's been trained in how to lead. He's prepared for leadership. And the princes, they feast at the proper time for the proper reasons. They feast in the evening for strength, not to get drunk and, and to be lazy and to party all day. Because of laziness, verse 18 says, the roof caves in. And because of negligent hands, the house leaks. Foolish leaders bring harm to their people. But wise people know how to survive calamity. He says in verse 20, this is just a, a, a helpful nugget of wisdom. Do not curse the king even in your thoughts and do not curse a rich person even in your bedroom for a bird of the sky may carry the message and a winged creature may report the matter. The point is here, be careful what you say. You might, even, even though you're under a foolish leader, it doesn't do you any good to, to bring harm on yourself by speaking poorly of him. Uh, who knows what the consequences of that might be. And, uh, you know, and, and, and especially in today's world, I mean, this is a silly example. A bird of the sky may carry the message. That's unlikely. I don't think, I don't think that necessarily is even possible. But the point being, you never know who might be listening. You never know who might take that word uh, back to the people that you're speaking evil of. And in today's world, we live in this world where, where communication is instant and it's permanent and it's irrevocable. You know, we send off text messages or snaps or post things on social media. How often do you hear about uh, popular or, or uh, celebrities, popular people or celebrities, famous people posting something or even politicians posting something to social media and then taking it down? But what has happened in the meantime is somebody's already captured it. It's, uh, they've screenshotted it. It's already out there. We live in this world where communication is instant and it's permanent and it's irrevocable. We, things come out and, and we send things through our phone and we communicate with other people. You can't take that back. You don't know what somebody on the other end is going to do with that. They may take that and use that against you. You may send something that you think is safe to, to one of your friends, but then later on they get mad at you and, and they spread it around to do you harm. This is the wisdom. This is the advice that Ecclesiastes has given us. The wise know how to survive calamity. The wise, even though they might be under bad leaders, they know how to endure times like that. They know how to get through times like that. They're wise. They, they keep their mouths closed and only open them 
at the proper times. The wise can survive a bad leader. All right, so that's Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. And as I've been doing all throughout this series, I, I like to just pick that, uh, you know, pick at that scripture and, and pull all the nuggets of wisdom and truth that we can out of that, but then also supplement that with New Testament wisdom. So today is going to be no different. Jesus himself often spoke about the differences between the wise and the foolish. And I want to turn us to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27, where Jesus shares these very important words. He says in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. This is how Jesus spells out wisdom. Wisdom is to hear his words and obey. Foolishness is to hear his words and ignore. In this parable that he tells her, this little story that he tells, uh, this illustration that he makes, the same event happens to two different people, but the results couldn't be more different. And he says this in the context of uh, of some of the most powerful words in all of the Bible. When he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my father. And and, and the Bible says on on that day, many people come and say, but Jesus, didn't we do your will? Jesus, didn't we do what you wanted us to do? We, We did this and we did that and we did all these things. And he says, and this is the difference between those who will be welcomed into his kingdom and those who will be rejected. I never knew you, he says. Never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Those are the words that you don't ever want to hear, that Jesus did not know you. Those are the most damning and destructive words you could possibly hear to know that you didn't obey, that you didn't do what he asked. Maybe you did all kinds of religious things and maybe you did what you thought would made you a good person or what you thought you would get into heaven, but you didn't know Jesus You didn't have a saving relationship with him. And the difference between being wise and being foolish is what you do with Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's the thing that separates the two more than anything else. Wise people will be the ones who listen and obey Jesus. They'll be be the ones who know, know him, who build their house on the rock. That's building your life on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the rain will come and the rivers might rise and the winds might blow and they might pound your house, but it won't, it won't collapse because your foundation is him. But if you build on anything else, it's like building on sand. And if you've ever been to the ocean and if you ever played with sand where the waves come in, you know exactly what they're talking about. Sand is not a stable foundation. You can, you can, uh, if you're standing on the sand when the waves come in, something crazy happens as it begins to erode underneath you. And if you stand there long enough, you actually won't be able to stand any longer. You'll fall over. 
That's what it means to build your house on, on the foolishness of this world, to build your life on the ways of this world and to reject knowing Jesus and to reject building on the rock ends in collapse. If you truly want to have wisdom, if you truly want to have wisdom that is strong enough to save, wisdom that keeps you safe, wisdom that brings true success, wisdom that spreads grace, wisdom that can save you from the worst calamity, which is death, you must know and obey Jesus. The last point I want to make here is that the truest expression of wisdom is to know and obey Jesus. The truest expression of wisdom is to know and obey Jesus. Listen, we're living through a pandemic. We're living through something that I think most everybody alive today thought was completely impossible. I mean, who politicians and leaders are fighting with each other about how to, who handled this properly and who didn't handle this properly. And the reality is at the end of the day, none of them knew this was going to happen. None of them can believe that we are where we are today. Everybody, I mean, many of them have done the best that they could do with the information they had at the time, but nobody was prepared for this. God has brought unbelievable calamity to the earth and it's far from over. And I think one of the things that God has done through that is he's quieted a lot of the noise that we live with every day in our lives. The noise of, of the daily grind of having all of these things to do and needing to go here and needing to do this and needing to be at this kid's sports thing and that kid's sports thing and need to be at this meeting and that meeting and at work and you're bringing work home and you've got all these demands and all of this noise that keeps us busy day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year until we've lived our whole lives surrounded by so much noise that we never stopped to listen to the quiet whisper whisper of wisdom that we never stopped and listened to the quiet voice of God. I think that's one of the things that God is doing through this very difficult time is he's silenced so much. And he's saying, are you listening to me now? Just like that clock that hangs on the wall in my bedroom. I don't hear all day. It's just, I don't I don't even know it's there. Uh, but at night when everything else is quiet, it's the only thing I can hear. Are you listening now? Are you listening to God's voice? Here's what God's voice is saying. It's what God's voice has been saying for the last 2000 years that God sent his son, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. That when he hung on that cross, he was dying in your place. He was taking your place for the sins that you and I have committed. He was dying for us. He was dying for you. And that by dying, he paid the price for your sins And then he rose on the third day to conquer death and to be able to grant eternal life. The Bible says that everybody who believes in Jesus can have eternal life and be saved. Your sins forgiven and you'll live forever with him. There's really two choices and they're not just the choices uh, that Ecclesiastes presents of being wise or being foolish. It's, It's the choice between life and death. Those who have Jesus, those who know Jesus, those who trust and obey Jesus have eternal life. Those who reject Jesus, those who refuse to stop and listen to his voice and to know him in a saving way will suffer the consequences of their own sins, which is eternal separation from God forever. Are you listening to his voice? Do you hear? I mean, he, th- we're living through unprecedented times 
People will talk about this for, for as long as, as history goes on. You know, and, and what's, what is the, the impact of this on your life? How is this changing you? You know, I've joked a couple of times around family. My, my grandmother, who's no longer with us, she was born in the Great Depression era. And from, from as long as I can remember, she always had all of this stuff in her basement. She had all the things that she lives on, you know, clothes and paper goods and food. If, if she liked grape jelly, there was eight jars of grape jelly in her basement. You know, she always had way more than, than she ever needed. And we would joke and pick on her and think, man, that's crazy. Why do you do that? You're never going to, you're never going to need all that. And you know what? She never did. She never needed it. And I just thought that was the funniest thing that she did that. But now I'm starting to think, you know, I, I might start doing that. I think I might start keeping stuff in my bed and I'll probably never need it, but I'll probably live the rest of my life paranoid that something like this is going to happen again because it's having that kind of impact on people. But what kind of impact is it having on your spiritual life? Are you taking this time to get to know Jesus? If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, do you hear his voice today calling out to you? offering you eternal life and salvation, offering you to, to, to save you from your sin, your foolishness, your folly, to rescue you and to bring you into his family forever. I hope that you will. If you want to talk about that, I hope that you'll reach out to one of us and let us know how we can help walk you uh, through, that, through that decision of deciding to, to trust and obey and, and ultimately get to know Jesus Christ who died for your sins. Let's pray together. And we'll continue to worship. Jesus, we want to know you. And God, if, if, if nothing else comes out of this time that we're living through, other than we just finally get a break from all of the noise of this world and finally hear your voice calling out to us, offering salvation, it would be so worth it. It'd be so worth everything we've lost to come out of this on the other side, having gained you, having gained eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. So God, I pray for anybody who's listening, who hasn't yet put their trust in Jesus for salvation. I pray that they'd call out to you right now and ask Jesus Christ to forgive their sins, to come into their lives and commit themselves to knowing and obeying you today. And God, I pray the rest of us that we would, in similar fashion, take this time as, as so much of the noise of this world has been stripped away and we would listen to your voice and we would come closer to you. We would walk in the ways of wisdom, the way of knowing and obeying Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We thank you so much for loving us enough to send us a Savior, to rescue us from everything, every uh, the the punishment that our sins deserve. Thank you for loving us that much. We worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope this week you'll uh, choose to live in the way of wisdom and know and obey Jesus. Uh, it's been a joy to get to share the word with you. Again, if there's anything we can do to help you through this time, please reach out to us. We're going to continue uh, to worship together and we hope, that, hope to see you in small groups this week and hope that you'll join us again next weekend.